Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Penn State Football Podcast. Sam Freeman of the Citizens Voice joins me, Donnie Collins, from the Scranton Times-Tribune, as he does every week during football season and far beyond, as he's, I'm sure he's going to find out. Some some weeks, we were just talking about this, some weeks it's it gets busy. And, and it's, it amazes me, Sam, how I would argue this is the busiest time of year for Penn State football. The weeks after the season, it, it is just a nonstop run of stuff that's going on. You know, you have the offensive coordinator search. Now we'll talk about this in a second, a defensive coordinator search. You have the transfer portal opening up. You have to monitor which players are coming in and out, uh, which players are coming for visits, which players are on the radar for Penn State. And next week is is signing day. So those guys who verbally committed conceivably should be signing their letters of intent now. And it, it is, it's just a, a lot going on. I mean, your, your entire roster is really built in these couple of weeks. And, and we haven't even really gotten to decisions on guys who are coming back or, or, or going to the draft or transferring or, or, or whatever, because obviously you look at the, the transfer portal, there's still only a couple of guys in there. And, and most of those decisions have not either been made yet or aren't going to be made, but we have to, we can't assume that, that everybody's staying. It, it, it's, it, it's been craziness the last couple of weeks. When they talk about the, the, the 24-7 nature of, of the role of the college football head coach nowadays, you, you definitely feel it. We're obviously not, you know, hitting the recruiting trail and, and looking at transfer targets and, you know, having conversations with our players and everything. But we are talking about the effects of those those meetings that, you know, the coaching staff is having. As the transfer portal expands and everything, it feels like our job is expanding too. Yeah, it was. It's a funny story. What I was driving down to, I don't even know. Is it Mechanicsburg? I don't even know where the the, the state football playoffs are anymore. I I just follow the GPS. But I think I think it's it's Cumberland Valley High School, which is a very very nice facility. I I thought it was great. But I I went down to do a column last week. Uh, one of the Wyoming Valley Conference teams, Dallas High School, played for the 4A state championship against Aliquippa. And Aliquippa's running back as a junior, but he's verbally committed to Penn State, Tyke Hayes. And Aliquippa looks really good to me. They, they, they probably have a couple of guys who, who uh, if, you know, if they're asking for my help, Penn State could could use that are on that roster. But anyway, I'm, I'm driving into the parking lot to, to get set. And all I hear above me, I mean, it's it felt like it was about, 10 feet above my head, but I hear this helicopter, but the, the, the sound like it, it felt like you know, an episode of mash from back in the seventies where you just, you just hear the helicopter blades going over your head. And, and, and I, and you, you don't even have to look up to see who it is. You know who it is. It's, it's James Franklin going from one recruiting stop to another. And I, I think he was at a, a, a couple of different games uh, during the, during the weekend with the, with the state playoffs. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of, uh, Penn State recruits in those games so he's got to be everywhere a lot, you know you're, and he's not just thinking about 2024 right now he's thinking about the 2025 recruits and it's and and the portal guys it, it's I don't know how he does it I I really don't and oh I think a big part of him likes that that role of you know, as being a head coach just kind of putting the roster together uh building those relationships because that's really what he he builds his program on is is being there being a face who's right on the sideline he, he and Terry Smith were there uh for that game but uh, that was the night that uh, Manny Diaz announced that he was, well, Duke, I guess, announced that Manny Diaz was accepting the head coaching position there. And obviously we've talked about this on the 
on the podcast ad nauseum. And, and I, I don't think there's much disagreement about this. I mean, that's a huge loss for Penn state. They're, they're not replacing Manny Diaz as a coordinator, as a creative mind, as somebody who evolves what is already successful, but there has been precious little discussion uh, about who they're after, who they're talking to. And, and that's the way James prefers it. And I, I think there's a, to a degree, there's a lot of stuff going on. So there's not a lot of information free flowing about this, but it's not what the offensive coordinator search was in, in, in that way. I mean, there was a lot of names floating around. I'm not sure a lot of them were actually being interviewed. I think they were just kind of these names that everybody kind of wanted to see interviewed. And, 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 I'm, and, and I'm sure that there's some of those getting around with, with the defensive coordinator search. But I think what the, the offensive coordinator search this time around taught me was you know, nobody knows really what's going on here. But there was still some news coming out. There was still, hey, they're, they're talking to this guy. They're talking to that guy. And that I'll listen to, you know, when, when they're talking to somebody. If you hear, oh, I know they're interested in him. That's a thing you, you keep close to the vest and and, and you you do your research on, on those kind of guys. Andy Kotelnicki kind of popped up on the radar in that regard. But there really isn't. I'm not hearing anybody on the on the radar for the, the defensive coordinator search right now that that I would say is is a front runner. So here's my question to you. Number Number one. Is that a good sign for somebody currently on the staff? Because I think it might be. I I, I don't know that there's a real pressing need right now to, to to fill this role. Because as James Franklin said the other day, this is a job that is, people are going to want. Now, does that mean that this that the Peach Bowl is an audition for a guy like Anthony Poindexter, the safeties coach, who everybody kind of knows wants this job? So I, I don't know if this that means that this is a a tryout for him of sorts, or if it's something that's going to happen no matter what right now, I, I don't expect this, this job is going to be filled for a little while at least. And once they get closer to the peach bowl, I, I don't know if this is something that's going to be filled in the calendar year. It, it's, is, is that a big deal? I, I I don't think so, but, but you know, I, 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 th I think James is right. I think this is going to be a, a, a very sought after position and, and in, in that case, I think it might be best for them to take their time and, and, and see what pans out once the once the seasons end for every team. I don't see why why this wouldn't be one of the most sought after coordinator positions in, in college football. I mean, the the placement of of Penn State defensive coordinators at you know future head coaching jobs it, you know speaks for itself. If you have career aspirations, it's a great place to number one. It's a great place to to elevate yourself, but also. You know, Penn State's defense is sort of what it's known for as a program. So, you, I mean, you know coming in that, that you're going to have talent to work with. You know, if, if, if you're a good coach, you'll be able to, you know, you, you'll be able to make noise with, with, with that personnel. Your points about, you know, they're, they're not really being a front runner right now is, is definitely an interesting one. Part of me wonders if the uh, Anton Lynn uh, from UCLA, now USC, would have been at the top of the list um, had had this sort of – these dominoes fallen sooner. Um, I don't know, but it's just a, you know, a thought that I had. If, if, this, if this had happened right at the end of the season, maybe we're having a different conversation. But if, if I'm Anthony Poindexter, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that there's not a lot of buzz. I, I, I do believe that you know, he, he has some – element of uh of leverage i guess i mean I know, I know that a head coaching interview doesn't necessarily mean everything in the world of college football but you know there were the reports of him interviewing with uva last year uh virginia 
you know, clearly he's, you know, he, he's highly thought of around the country. And, and perhaps it's one of those things where if you, if you want to keep Anthony Poindexter on this staff, you're going to have to make him feel valued and, and make it worth his time because it's only a matter of time before somebody comes knocking on his, on his door. Um, yeah, I think Poindexter is a great coach. Uh, you know, he, 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 you know, stepped in on, as, as the, the bridge coordinator for, for that Outback Bowl as Manny Diaz was getting integrated into the, into the culture of the program. Who knows? Maybe, maybe the reason there's no rush is, is like you said, maybe the Peach Bowl is an audition. It's, hey, part of the interview is we can see you coordinate another, another bowl game. Who knows? I, I know they haven't announced a, you know, a stand-in coordinator yet, but I mean, in my mind, I would think it's going to be Poindexter and, and maybe a second person as a co-coordinator. Who knows? But, you know, I, I don't see how Poindexter doesn't get involved in that situation. Yeah, I would expect on Friday, which is the media day for the bowl game in State College, that James will name Anthony Poindexter. I would guess he's the guy <laughs> that's going to be calling the plays. Look, I, I think there's – and you mentioned a name that I wanted to kind of bring up here eventually, but there's three ways you could look here. One is on the staff. One is a coordinator with Penn State ties. And the other is just someone completely out of the box that that nobody's thinking of right now, or, or somebody somebody is thinking of right now that really has no ties to the program. And I I think in, in situations like this that that it makes some sense to give Poindexter the first thought because look he is a guy who's been getting a lot of attention as a potential head coach. Now Virginia is a, is a kind of a different deal with Poindexter. He is a college football Hall of Fame player. He's a he can't walk <laughs> down the streets of Charlottesville without. <laughs> you know, somebody well everybody recognizing who he is he is he's a big deal and 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 virginia and if that job opened up again and he was offered that job he's taking it in a heartbeat but he's not going to get another look at another position in, in my opinion where he's going to start out as a head coach and do so at the power five level outside of virginia unless he becomes a defensive coordinator and has some success that that's just my my take on that. So I think this is a big deal for Poindexter. And, and you said, you know, do you lose him if you don't promote him? And I think he's the one guy on the staff where I, I think you could look at that and say, you might J one cider. Maybe, you know, if you don't promote him to offensive coordinator, just if you go outside the organization and, and, and find a, another guy, do you lose him? Maybe, but I, I, I don't get that feeling from him. And certainly they haven't lost him. Same with Ty Howell. Poindexter, I think you might. I, I I think he's close to a head coaching job. He's going to get one at a group of five school uh, at some point, but he's not outside of Virginia going to be a hot commodity in the Power Five conferences. And I really think he can be at, at some point if he gets this job and does well with it. And look, that that's that's what James Franklin said the other day that, that was really true. And I, I think a lot of people are going to take notice. Everybody who's had this job has gotten... Number or Bob Shoup didn't get promoted per se. He took a lateral move to Tennessee, but he got a lot of money to do it. Uh, Brent Pry, after doing a really great job, gets arguably a better job than Manny got at Virginia Tech as a head coach. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be an attractive position for for anybody who wants it or anybody who is brought into interview because everyone's going to want it who's brought in an interview but I, but I think it's a this is a big moment for Anthony Poindexter in Penn State to me and and look he's done a great job it, he has earned a promotion 
Whether James really believes he can do the job or not, I, I don't know. But he's earned a promotion. He, his position group, he made a really good player out of Keaton Ellis, a really useful player. Now, I mean, I don't know if he's a, a starting caliber player with the talent he had around him. Obviously, he, he wasn't uh, over the long haul. But he was very, very useful, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets uh, an NFL shot and, and, and makes the most of it as a special teams guy. But Poindexter is a, a big player in the career of, of Jaquan Brisker, took him in out of Lackawanna and, and really made him a, a more complete player. Jair Brown, he he accentuated what Jair Brown did well. I Everybody knows Jair is one of my favorite people that I've met in this business and one of my favorite players. But the guy, as a safety, you can only have so much impact on the game. And Poindexter really helped take, and with, with Diaz's help, really took Jair and made him into a, a complete player who could affect the game in many, many ways on defense. Even even beyond those two guys, the two guys he, he had this year, I really, really like Kevin Winston Jr. I think he's a definite NFL player. Jalen Reed is super solid. Uh, they're only going to get better. I think he's done a really good job with everybody he's had there. It, it, as as a starter, his backups have been have been really good. We'll, we'll see with, with Zachy Wheatley next year, uh, what they what they get out of him, uh, because he's the next kind of kind of the next top backup up, if that if that makes sense. But I I, I don't think you can go wrong with Poindexter. I, I think it would be almost doing the right thing if he gets a a promotion out of this. But the interesting thing here is that the two guys with Penn State ties who are kind of these young up-and-coming coordinators, one is uh, Danton Lynn, the, the former cornerback uh, from many years ago, is a really solid player and a really good guy. But he he did wonders with UCLA this year and then got the USC job. But Elijah Robinson, he, he was pretty much running the show at Texas A&M after Jimbo got fired wonderful recruiter doesn't have a doesn't have defensive coordinator experience yet but he got hired at that for that job at at Syracuse so I wonder if they went and asked I mean it would be harder to get Danton Lynn because I'm sure he's making some some coins out there at uh, (laughs) USC but I wonder if if they really wanted Elijah Robinson if they could pull him away after after a couple of weeks at Syracuse and I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but I, I wonder <laughs> if they could do it because those two guys, I mean, the, the, the one thing with the the timing of everything that's happened, I mean, it's, and it's obvious you, you fire Mike Yurcich because it gives you a head start. Well, the head start you got with Yurcich is negated by how late in the year Manny had to leave because that job opened up when it did. I'm sure at the beginning of that, when he, when he saw that, that Elko was gone, that James thought, oh, that's a spot where we could lose Manny. And, and in his mind, he's he's starting to plan that a little bit. But it's it's not a convenient time, uh, especially when you do have two of the guys who would be tied to your program to some degree, and, and Robinson and Lynn already taking other jobs. So I think those two guys are out, and it's either going to be Poindexter or somebody off the beaten path. And, and we've heard the names. I mean, we can go over them if, if, if you want to go over some of them, but I, I don't know how fair it is. I don't know. I don't have any background information that any of them are going to be the guy. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I think that, that what you said about uh, Poindexter sort of encapsulates why this job is so, so attractive probably to many, you know, coordinators or, or, or burgeoning coaches out there, because like you said, you know, Poindexter isn't going to get, head coaching looks outside of uh, UVA right now. But which way 
is, and it's up to personal preference, I guess, but, you know, would you rather pay your dues and grind out a head coaching job in the group of five and then take a smaller power five coaching job and then take a big power five coaching job uh, as the head guy the whole time? Or would you rather, you know, step into a top power five defensive coordinator role and, and get placed in a, in a, you know, sort of skip the line and, and get a power five job, you know, out, outside of that. I mean, to me, that seems like the path that I would rather go. It seems lower risk. It seems higher reward at the same time. And, and that, that goes for everybody. It's not just Poindexter. It's, you know, I, I, as much as I say, you know, Poindexter has leverage, which I still believe is the case, because like you said, um, he seems like somebody who could who could ultimately leave in the near future. At the same time, I do think, you know, James is going to have sort of his pick, you know, of the remaining coaches. It's, it's, it's a... I, I'm hard pressed to think of many coordinator jobs that are open right now that are better than this one um, in terms of immediate success as well as projectable um, career development. But it, it'll be interesting. I, I I think it's a great point, like you said, about I wonder if if when the Duke job opened, you know, the mood changed in the in the building a little bit because it seemed like they might have dodged a bullet for a little bit there. And, uh, you know, of course, Diaz is out the door and, you know, it's a good spot for him, I think. Texas A&M opens. I don't think anybody is thinking Manny Diaz is getting the Texas A&M job or, you know, that that's something that may interest. I, I, I'm sure it would interest him, but I, I don't know that anybody thought that was going to happen. But when Duke opened up, it was like, oh, that's that is a spot <laughs> <laughs> that is close enough to Florida. That's in a league. He knows that's a that's a developing program. They've been pretty good. Now, I don't know how great they're going to be next year but i'm going to ask you to put on your your james franklin hat here sam i'm going to sure. for, for a couple of minutes here i'm going to pay with the 50 trillion dollars a year that that uh, <laughs> fans think james makes and i'm going to ask you i think what i what is the million dollar question because you you do bring up a, a good point I, I don't believe there's another job out there this good for a defensive coordinator i i think this is the top spot and i don't know if there's particularly a close second place so everybody who's a defensive coordinator who or who wants to be a defensive coordinator is going to apply for slash cross their fingers that they get a call about this particular position. So if you're James, do you go outside and get the big name guy? Do you feel the responsibility to do that? Or is, is Poindexter a guy you, you have to promote? And I, and I say that saying the right thing to do here. And, and I'm not saying you must do it. It's the moral thing that, no, I, I think it would be right if they gave Poindexter a shot. It's not a nice guy's business, but I think he's earned it. I think he'd do an okay job. I think he's worth a shot if there's nobody else, but they're going to have everybody else. So is this just a bad time for Poindexter? I've been calling Tom Allen, Indiana head coach slash future Penn State defensive coordinator, Tom Allen, for the last five years. James raves about the guy. You know, he's he's on everybody's list of guys that that could take this job for sure. There, there's guys who I think would be big names who've who've had a lot of success at other schools who James has a relationship with. Allen is is right at the top of that list. A guy with head coaching experience in the Big Ten who is universally respected around the conference. Do you have to go out and, and, and get one of these guys? This one's tough. You know, we, we talked about what was important in the offensive coordinator hire. And I mean, obviously, you know, on-field success is, is number one, but 
when it comes to which stakeholders you're attempting to satisfy with the offense, it, it felt, you know, like the fans feel important in that decision, especially with how the offense has played this past year. But then also the amount of turnover that's that's been at the offensive position. I, I don't necessarily feel that way with the defense. I, I, I feel like the, the defense in the fans' eyes, certainly not unassailable, but it's in a pretty good spot. I, I don't know many people that would look at the Penn State defense and say, man, you know, they just – they can't they can't maximize the talent that they have on that defense. Penn State's defense has just been disappointing. So, you know, I, I feel like in a way James has built up some leeway with even the vocal parts of the fan base and some trust in the ability to pick a guy. And in in a way, I, I think that that also helps Poindexter's case. Um, I, I don't know that that you know guarantees that, that, that he's the guy or anything, but I, I don't know that they have to make a a splash higher for this to feel like a success for them. However, you know, I I'm with you where I, I'm not convinced Poindexter is, is the right, is the right answer. He could be, I, I just don't know that for a fact. And, and, you know, I, cause I don't know who, who, who's out there right now. That's looking. I don't know who is not technically out there, but would look like you said with an Elijah Robinson or something like that. This is a type of job where I do think you could, you know, maybe pull somebody away that's already been, uh, you know, a la Manny Diaz from Temple to Miami. You know, stuff like that happens, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, write that off as a possibility that James would try that, nor that somebody would accept. I don't know. I, I in this case, I think one of the most important stakeholders to please would be the younger players on this roster. Uh, you know, we've talked ad nauseum this season about. Manny's connection with the locker room and just what he adds to a culture and, and his relationship building and all, all this sort of thing. I, I'm not insinuating that, that, you know, there's some mass exodus on the horizon of defensive talent. I don't think that's the case. Cause I think Penn state is, is the big pull for a lot of these players for the, for the same reason. I think it's a big pull for defensive coordinators, but at the same time, I, I don't think you can go from, you know, a high energy guy like Manny Diaz, a guy who's really popular with the players. And, you know, I, I have to imagine was was very positive on the recruiting trail as well and, and go to somebody not exciting. And, and I don't mean exciting from a fan perspective where, you know, oh, it has to be a big name. It has to be a big name. There has to be a pedigree there. I, I mean, somebody that's going to connect with the players. Um, and from an outsider's perspective, it feels like Poindexter has the respect of the players in that locker room and everything, but maybe it's not, maybe that's, it's not to the, to the degree that James is going to want. Maybe, you know, maybe there's another guy out there who he thinks you can bring in and, you know, like you said, they're never going to replace Manny Diaz. He's just a, a unique coach and a, and a unique individual. You, You have to retain something something of, of that defensive culture. Otherwise, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't predict a step back in any way, but you could risk a, a long-term slow trend if, if you, you don't want to reverse any of the good that's been done. Yeah. I, I think from a on-field perspective, you have to be able to play the way you need to play to win. And that's, I kind of look at this, these two hires, and I think you're right. I think the fans, from what I, I gather, I, I'm getting a lot of emails and talking to a lot of people and and taking the temperature of who they want because that's really what we talk about on, on these shows. And and I, I get the feeling that 
they were hoping for a big time, exciting offensive coordinator hire, but that they'd like for Poindexter to, to get a chance here. And that's just, that's just the feeling I, I get. I don't know if that's really what's going on or not, but, but they feel they got their big time offensive coordinator hire. And I looked at that totally different. I really thought they just needed somebody to come in, simplify the offense, make it capable, and then keep Manny and let the defense win the games. Now they didn't keep Manny. So how do you do that? Did, do, do you take that literally and say, well, you can't replace him. So why even try? And we just change everything. Or do you try to get somebody in who's as dynamic and as creative and touts some of the same things? Now, maybe that's Poindexter. Maybe working with Manny for all those, for those couple of years, I don't say all those years, it wasn't that long, but for those couple of years, you know, taught Poindexter a couple of things. And maybe he is that kind of, of, of a coach now. Maybe a lot of that rubs off on him and, and, and that makes him somebody who's learned from Manny the best candidate. But there are guys out there who are creative defensively, who like to get after the quarterback, who like to do some of those metrics things that Penn State has shown work that that lead to the splash plays on, on defense that you aren't getting on offense. And, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. I wrote about it. I would have been okay with bringing in an offensive coordinator who just wanted to run the ball. It keep Even keeping guys like Howell to call the plays and, and Cider to – you know, to kind to kind of put his input in there and and have the have the back and forth, the collaborative effort on offense because they run they they know they run the ball. That's what Penn State does well. So I thought it was okay. Keep those two guys and Manny, and you're fine. But you don't have Manny. So now do you have to go out and get somebody who's Manny-like, or do you go with somebody who's been influenced by Manny? it's going to be a very intriguing decision. I think this is a way more difficult call for James than, than the offensive coordinator decision, because look, and they, and they got what I would have thought they needed in Kotal Nicky. He, he likes to run the ball. He's, he's worth a shot, but I, I, I am intrigued right now by what they could possibly do on defense, because you can go out and get somebody who just runs something a little different or does it in a little different way and have the same kind of success because you know, look, if, if Kotal Nicky brings in a half-decent system and they if they could tie their shoes against the, the better teams, they're fine. You know, they, they didn't even need to score that many points against Ohio State and Michigan. You know, they have a they have a shot here to try to evolve the defense or evolve the Manny Diaz legacy. And I don't know which one I would prefer them to do because I, I think the Manny Diaz legacy of what he's done improves the defense. I I I, I and and I you know, the more I think about it, I, I at the beginning of this did not think Poindexter was going to be the guy. But now the more I think about it, I, I think there's a real case to be made that the tough decision here, which would be to go with him, I think that is the the tougher decision for James. Even though, even though, if it might be popular, is it the right one? I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be very intriguing to me where he where he goes with this. And I, and I certainly think that you can go with Poindexter and expect big things. I, 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 I believe that, but I don't know if that's ends up being the way he's go, he goes because he hasn't gone that way. He has gone outside the program for the last couple of big hires. And, and James has had nothing but success with hiring defensive coordinators. So it, it, it'll be fun to see where he, where he takes this, but, but I don't expect anything all that soon on, on, on the hiring front with this, but not to say that there won't be some news coming out of Penn state in the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks with, additions because the transfer portal 
is open and it's remains open for business and Penn state will have a big weekend coming up here. I think they hope they're going to have a big weekend hosting some people uh, out of the portal, but we'll talk about that after the break. We'll move on to uh, to the transfer portal here uh, because it's a it's a big deal. I mean, Penn State's trying to get some guys on campus. They had Jalen Lucas, the running back from Indiana. I don't know what kind of position he really would play for Penn State. He's he's an interesting guy for me to, to, to for them to bring in, but we'll discuss that in a minute because they obviously did get a their first commitment. And I think this guy's interesting, Alan Heron from Shorter University. Sam, what do you know about Shorter University? I couldn't tell you. I think it's in Georgia. I think I, I read that it was in Georgia somewhere, but I know a little bit about Alan Heron, six foot six, 310 pounds. And I think what Penn State likes about him, number one, the, the physical attributes are, are are off the charts. I mean, he's a prototypical tackle size wise, long arms, big, strong guy. He's developed a, you know, a little bit, even at the division two level, you, when you play, you, you're in the weight room, you're developing at the college level. A lot of teams wanted Alan Heron. And I think Penn state, what, and again, we, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and beat the drum about what they do well, because it's, it, it's, it's obvious in some ways and we've talked about it, but they get a guy here who's got three years to play too. Uh, so you could really put this guy in the weight room for a year, never even suit him up and then see what he comes out as next year. And, and you, and you, that's really when he has to start playing, I guess. But, but you know, he's moldable clay right now. And the way they develop guys, Phil Trotwine has done a, a good job developing young players. He's done a – I think he's pretty much hit on all of these guys who he's gotten out of the these smaller leagues, the Ivy Leagues, and now a Division II league uh, to come in and, and, and exceed in the offensive line. And I think that's been difficult for, for a lot of teams – uh, to do to, to find these gems out of the portal and, and, and develop them and you know I, I think a lot of programs look at the portal as who could we get to plug in and play and Penn State looks at it as kind of a, a minor league system where they can bring in a guy and develop them and, and use it kind of in a player development sense and do, do you agree that that's what, what this guy's going to be, uh, you know, a high, a very high ceiling, low floor guy who could come in and, and, and do some good things. Or, you know, is this kind of a, a roster spot that, you know, it's a luxury. I, I know a lot of people look at this guy as a, as a luxury. And, and, you know, when, when you have a roster full of needs, they wonder why do you go out and get a guy who you don't know if he's ever going to play? You can never have too many offensive linemen, you know, and, and certainly ones that have projectable traits. It being from a, a smaller school and everything, I I feel like this this transfer was, you know, like you said, it's it's the big kid. He's got I think two years of eligibility, so there's there's room for for growth and development. And uh, you're you're losing veteran presence on this offensive line next season. It's a, and it's a low risk move. It's not like you're going to piss anybody off in the in the room by 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 making this move. Um, and, and it, it could pay dividends. You know, there's not really a downside to a move like this. I know, like you said, there, there are some needs on this team, but, you know, and, and I guess there's there's some opportunity cost of going and spending your time recruiting a kid like this. But, you know, I, I won't lie and say that I, I, I've seen much, uh, you know, seen highlights or tape from this kid or anything like that. But, you know, this is, this is the, the coaching staff's job, and there were, 
you know, a dozen programs out there who were, who were competing to get his, his commitment. So, you know, it, it, you know, it, it being a smaller school isn't necessarily a concern. I mean, when you think about the, the smaller school, the junior college, the community college transfers that this program has turned into, you know, starters and, and, and even NFL caliber players, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel like they, they saw something in this kid and they, they think that they can use the next two years to their advantage. I, I'm with you. I don't know if he'll, if he'll start or anything like that, but, with an offensive lineman, you could you can never have too many of them, and you know injuries happen. You got to be ready. Yeah, I mean, who he's not going to be Olu. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if that's going to ever happen. I mean, if he was going to be Olu, <laughs> somebody would have a shorter university wouldn't have had him for a couple of years there. But you know, I well, it, you know, they do do a good job finding these kind of guys who can come in and and compete, and 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 arguably they they do a better job with a higher success rate anyway of developing these guys into usable players than they do on the recruiting trail. I mean, look, you, you go to Lackawanna and get JB Nelson and JB is a, a really terrific player. He's a very good starting caliber guard who maybe can play tackle next year. He might, he might be a, a guy that you look at as, as an Olu replacement or, or as a right tackle, or if, if Caden Wallace doesn't come back, but you have a, a lot of guys who you, you've, found it at, at places that you wouldn't necessarily look to in the past for division one quality t- talent. I mean, Hunter Norzad, it was one of them that, that I think he had the greatest season as a center. No, I think he's a, he's a guard. I think he's a, pre- a pure guard, but he's logged a lot of minutes. He's played a lot of snaps. He's been very useful. He's, he's a terrific run blocker. Uh, so I, I think that Norzad has been a, a good find and they, they found him at where Cornell. I mean, it's you, you look at, and, you know, they, they got Eric Wilson out of Harvard. Yeah, he he played some good quality minutes for them a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they've gotten the Lackawanna guys. I, I think the Division Two aspect of this is kind of the question, but he's not your typical high school prospect who's going to, who played since he was five years old and everybody knows him. So I, I think there was some development there that, that had to be, had to be complete. He wasn't Olu playing in the DMV where everybody saw how how good he was even though he got a late start to football so so sometimes you just need to get noticed and i i, I think you know heron miss is a good prospect in, in that regard and you're looking for prospects too sometimes out of the portal you're not necessarily looking for the guy who's played a million snaps in the sec and is going to come in and, and help you is it sometimes there, there are a couple sides of the portal here but when when you look at what penn state needs this 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 offseason and everybody look we'll, we'll just the receiver out there because they need receivers and they need to, they need to fill that out of the portal, but they got a couple of guys who they're, they're very interested in. And I don't know whether the, the level of interest is the same coming back and forth with some of those guys. And we'll talk about them here, but last year they went and got a couple of these guys who had some, some years left Cephas and Malik McLean, and they didn't come in necessarily ready to perform at the level they needed them to perform. Uh, and be successful on offense. I mean, if Dante Cephas comes in last year and, and plays it, I don't want to say an All-American level, that's not fair, but if he plays at the, if he puts up the numbers he did at Kent State, Penn State's offense is a much different animal than it was. In the next couple of days, when when you're really starting to heat up the the portal and, and starting to get guys on campus and, and look at them and, and, and try to sell them on the program, 
you know, you can't, you have to get some guys who have done it before and who will come in and make an impact in, in, in the offense. And I don't know if that's going to be as easy because you don't know really what the offense is. So I, I think Kotal Nicky is going to play a, a, a big role in this, trying to convince guys how they fit. It's not going to be a, a situation where they're going to take a project again like McLean. They have to come in and and, and get a, a guy who's established and who, who they know is going to come in and do what a Mitchell Tinsley did or probably even be a more explosive player than that. Oh, absolutely. I, I would probably say the, the biggest need on the roster, right? I mean, am I missing anything obvious? It's, it's sort of what uh, we talked about for the entire second half of the season. I can't think of a position that they need more than – I mean, they need a kicker. They're going to have to find a kicker out of the portal. But I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, everybody else is kind of a depth piece. You would, you would think, and and somebody who could come in and maybe do what a Johnny Dixon did, or you know, you, you know somebody like that, or, or I, I, you might get lucky and find someone with a, with a Chop Robinson, you know, kind of breakout season coming. But but they need somebody who's whoever they get out of the portal at receiver has to come in and start. I mean, that that's oh, and yeah. I think that's quite a bit different than than the past. Oh yeah, I mean, well, like you said, you bring up like a Chop Robinson. It to me that that feels more like when you know a, a team's in the NFL draft and they they take best player available. You know, it, it sort of changes your. You know, it, it, if a Chop Robinson comes available, you you have to go get him, it, even if even if receiver is your biggest priority. You know, you you see a a, a guy like Chop, you got to go in, you got to bring him in. Like like you said, as for position, they need startable talent now i i keep wondering if maybe cephas was if they thought he was one of those last year like a mitchell tinsley um oh, i think they did yeah it, i mean you looked at his his production the year prior and it seemed like mclean was the project and cephas came in now i know cephas has another year but you know that that didn't really that didn't really show this year no he he struggled with the system and yeah i don't think you anticipate bringing somebody in who's going to struggle with the system but the other thing and in, in defense of penn state and in defense of cephas i guess he got in much later than they thought now and a, yeah. and a big a, a big advantage to these uh transfer portal pickups is usually you're getting them in january so you're, you're getting an early enrollee who is physically ready to go and that, that that's always a big deal i mean you always want to get your high school recruits in in january if you can but that's not always possible but it is always possible with the transfer portal guys except steve has had to, to stick it out and, and and graduate from from kent state uh i don't know what the what the deal was i, I heard some things and, and forgotten about it but it wasn't it wasn't a big deal but by the time he got in he was five months behind on the playbook and he never got up he, he, it was never a a deal where you thought uh, Dante Cephas is starting to get it, but maybe next year I, there would be less of an excuse with that. And certainly, I mean, look, I, I think McLean got a raw deal in a lot of ways because he was not brought in to be a guy who was going to carry the offense last year. He was brought in because he was a, a good project and had a couple of years left uh, to not, not that Cephas didn't, but McLean's guy, I think McLean's even got two more years. So there's areas for growth with, with McLean where he's much more like a, a, a Penn state player where he's going to come in and be a guy who's a system guy who's going to learn from your, your receivers coach and your coordinator for uh, a conceivably a couple of years stretch. Now the guys that, 
that really Penn State are targeting right now. And there's there's four names that, that are out there and we'll, we'll, we'll go through. Them. I think it's fair to, to go through them because they've they're trying to get them on campus. They're, they're guys who on Twitter have claimed that they've got offers. But but I think the the, the one that everyone's going to want to talk about is Julian Fleming uh, from from number one, Ohio State, number two, Southern Columbia. Everybody around Pennsylvania knows Fleming. Uh a big time player out of a big time program at, at Southern Columbia. Everyone kind of thought he was going to Penn state in the beginning. It was a really big deal when he didn't because it was kind of the, the whole dominate the state thing. And a, a lot of pot shots taken at James for not getting a big time receiver out of his own state, losing him to Ohio state. Fleming was a five-star kid out of high school, big body uh, has one year left. Uh, he visited Nebraska recently, visited Penn State last weekend. I, I think it's going to come down to those two programs. But when when you look at what Fleming did at Ohio State, I think I, I'd rather the other guys. And, you know, I, I to me, and this is just my personal take on it, go for the explosive guys. I don't know if Fleming is super explosive. I think he's a hometown kid that everybody knows. But, you know, you have Andre Green from North Carolina who he has been in. They're trying to get uh, Jamori Macklin from, from North Texas and uh, McCulley as a, as a, the, the, the Indiana kid. He, I think he's the number one guy with a bullet, but he's the number one guy with a bullet on Michigan's list too. So there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are going to want McCulley. So if you get two of those four, I think you're in good shape, but, but you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on those guys? Is it, you know, any two is, are, are fine, or do you, do you have one or two guys that are at the top of your list? Um, you know, it, it, it's tough because I, I feel like, you know, especially a receiver for whatever reason, it seems difficult to know how some of these guys. I mean, I'm at, Julian Fleming is young. You know, his time at Ohio State wasn't as as you know exciting as maybe people thought. But how much of that is you're playing behind arguably the best player in college football and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyle McCord's not what people expected. And, you know, is, is that the case of a, of a five-star misallocated or is that, you know, is that just because Ohio state is Ohio state and has a hundred NFL players on their team? It, it seems a little bit like a cop-out answer, but I, I whoever they think is going to fit this offense the best is who, is who I, I think that they should go get, you know, maybe that's not the, you know, the expected top, you know, in Julian Fleming, for example, I just keep using him because he's a, uh, you know, he's a known commodity to some extent. But just because he was a five star and he was a former target, maybe he doesn't fit the offense as well as some of these other guys. Um, and maybe he does. That doesn't mean he doesn't. I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see, you know, how much input or, or uh, influence maybe Kotelnicki will have on, you know, seeing the types of guys that maybe fit in his in his sort of scheme. Uh, he's been a guy that, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is somebody who has made the best of a talent pool that isn't the best. And now he kind of gets to take his pick of the litter in some respect. Um, so it'd be interesting to see with all these resources at his disposal, who does who does he uh, get in James's ear about? Who, do, who does he want to go after? You know, one one that I have a question for you about is what you think. He's not a startable receiver by any stretch right now, but – I wonder what you think about Yazid Haynes. I think I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But you know, he committed to Penn State, 
decommits to Penn State, goes to Georgia, ent- enters the transfer portal. Does a guy with that sort of history sort of disqualify himself from Penn State's radar? Do you think they go after him? Do you think he's not interested? Is it even worth <laughs> thinking about? Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're, you said something that is correct. I mean, these are kids. Uh, yeah. Julian Fleming, I think everybody thought he was going to. And, I, and again, we know the story. So Fleming becomes the example, and it's not fair to Fleming. Uh, he, he's a he's a kid who went to Southern Columbia, which is probably an hour at most from State College. He was on he was he played for the state championship every I think he won the state championship every year he played. He, he was just this ultra productive player and Penn State had him on campus all the time. He, he, he was unofficial visits whenever he could. I think everybody thought he was going to go to Penn State. Then Ohio State swoops in and Brian Hartline sells him on Ohio state and he goes there and I cannot blame Julian Fleming for wanting to go to Ohio state. I can't, but I think if I'm James Franklin, I I have a hard time getting over that. You had your chance and you took another, uh, another opportunity. And now you're, you're coming back to me. Now you Haynes is a, is a, he's interesting is he's got more time. If Fleming's a one year guy. Now I, I think Fleming if he absolutely is the fit, then I think you have to do it. And he wants to be there. Fine. But I think the fact that he went to Penn state first and now he's at Nebraska visiting, I think that's a sign that maybe that didn't go quite as well as he maybe wanted it to, or expected it would. I I think Penn state's going to make it. I don't think Penn state's going to go crawling to Julian Fleming and say, Hey, we need you now. Come, come back home. Finally come back home. I, I don't know if that's going to be, how that goes. I, I think, I think Penn state's holding the hammer in this one. Haynes is a little different because, you know, he, he went to Georgia. I don't, I don't know if it was last year's recruiting class or the year before it might've been 22. Uh, it might've been 23. Now that I think about it, but he was, he was a guy that Penn state really had high hopes for. And he decommits at least Fleming never committed. So I, I think if you decommit, I think that, I think that disqualifies you. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the conversation is going to be like with, with James and Haynes, if it, if it comes to that, that maybe Haynes goes to him and says, Hey, look, I, I really shouldn't have done that. I, I made a mistake. I want to come back and closer to home. I really should have. And, and and I think James would be understanding of that, but I don't know if, if I'm a guy who had a, a Penn state scholarship and committed to Penn state and then decommitted, if I'm expecting them to call me. So now that said, when I saw Haynes is in the portal, I thought that's a fit. That's a guy who Penn State knows they wanted and thought would be a fit for their offense, thought this is a guy who could come in and, and, and play pretty soon. And he went and played for the flavor of the month, which is Georgia. And I, and I, I don't begrudge that in any way, but I, I do think that coaches don't forget that. And I, I don't know. I, I think he and Fleming are two kind of different guys, but Haynes is definitely a guy I, I would think that, if Penn State is is really, you know, you and 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 kind of the uh, the green kid, Andre Green Jr., four star guy, went to North Carolina uh, uh, with a really good quarterback and and Drake May, and did not have a, a a really great season. He had a couple of catches, but he's a talented kid, and he's he's got two or three years left. I I don't think that's necessarily the guy you expect is going to come in and be a dominant player next year. They need the guy that's going to come in and be a dominant player. Yeah. And, I, and and Fleming, I, I think you kind of know what you're getting out of him. 
I, I don't necessarily think that's a that's a bad fit. Now, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. And, 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 you know, I'll tell you that I said McCauley's the number one guy. And I, and I, I once I saw his name in there, I thought, hey, Penn State's got to get them. got to really make a push for the McCauley kid because he's number one, a guy who is pretty new to being a receiver. He he went to Indiana as a quarterback. But number two, he was very productive as, as a receiver at Indiana. And and all those Indiana guys, campers in the portal, uh, Jalen Lucas, I, I think. I kind of look at him more as a receiver than a running back. He played running back for them, uh, kind of a a slash player in a way, a, a guy you could use in a lot of different ways. But I don't know how he fits with Penn State. I, I they had him on campus, so I'm sure there's some interest uh, from both sides. But I'm not sure where that's going or how that's going to go. But I, I think if they get McCulley on campus, they got to make a push here because he's going to help you immediately. He's your immediately your best guy. I, I think McCulley is a guy who fits exactly what you need a guy who's had a lot of success could come in and and, and play next year but but Fleming fits that too and it, it, it'll be interesting I mean how how much of a grudge could you hold for something that happened on the recruiting trail in the in the transfer portal how is, is that self-defeating at some point and, and I'm not saying James would I, I think he's gonna handle a lot more professionally than I'm saying I would but I, yeah I would have for, for Yazid Haynes or or, or Fleming if I'm a coach, I would have a, a very difficult time going back and saying, hey, come back to somebody who told me they didn't want to play for me. Especially because, you know, especially in the, in the transfer portal era, you know, it may not be their last time in the portal. I mean, I, you know, with, with a Haynes, for example, you know, and I'm not saying anything about him in particular, but, you know, you, you don't want to open yourself up to, yeah, yeah, you come back for a year or two and then the next flavor of the month opens up and you want to hop over there. It's, I, I get it. And as for the Fleming thing, I, I've been sitting here mulling it over <laughs> since you sort of brought it up. And I, I, uh, you know, I get both sides of it and I, it, it's, I, you know, I don't think they would ever, they would ever admit it uh, one way or another because there's no um, political gain to be had. But, you know, I, on the one hand, I, I could see, you know, not wanting to, to sort of grovel at, at Fleming's feet because of the way he sort of left them on the altar um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to establish yourself as a secondary program in, in the recruiting world. You want to be, you know, if you don't want to be here, we don't need you type of thing. Cause, cause that's, you know, you, you want to have the leverage, but at the same time, you know, I, I also think about, you know, the top programs have guys jumping back and forth between them all the time. And, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a sign of security in, in, in yourself to, you know, if you want to leave and go to a rival, it doesn't matter to us because we have X, Y, Z, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, I know they're not rivals, but, you know, Ohio State didn't really blink when Joe Burrow goes to LSU. You know, I'm, I'm sure after the fact, maybe they might have. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I And maybe because there's so much fluidity in all this stuff and all these decisions, maybe there's just too much going on to even – have those thoughts. I mean, you got, you got, you got to worry about your guys entering the portal before you can even worry about guys that were yours previously and now aren't. And, you know, there's just so many layers to it that I wonder, I wonder how much, how much energy they can dedicate to it. It's, I I can see it both ways. They're competitive guys. I'm sure they're competitive on, on all fronts, but that, that goes both ways. Yeah. I I think the road to the NFL is going to be littered with prospects who've been at Texas A&M and Alabama or Auburn and Mississippi state and or or Florida and and Miami. And and you're going to have 
this this is going to be the future of the portal. You're going to have guys who played at many different programs. I mean, it, it, and, and we're seeing it. We're seeing guys who are into the portal three, four different times. But I don't know if Penn State could afford to be a, a program like that. It, I mean, you could be a, you know, you, you mentioned the top programs. They they kind of share players sometimes. But I, I don't know if if Penn State could could play in that arena. I, it, it, it's it seems like they're not in the NIL business quite at that level with with the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the the, you know, the LSUs and, and and things like that. So so I, I think they have to kind of try to go about it a different way. And I I, I do I, I wonder you know you go to Yazid Haynes and and say hey why don't you come back what does that do to you on the recruiting trail? Does it, does it, does it plant the idea in a, in a recruit's head that, well, I really would would like to go to Penn state, but I have this offer from Texas. What yeah, if I, I could just always take go back. it? Yeah. What I could always go back, and I, but that's not what you want. If you're James Franklin, you, yeah. you want them to start out in the program. <laughs> so I, I do think it's kind of a, you know, you put yourself in a bad position there. If, if you go and, and, and do that all that often and say, Hey, you know, I, I offered you a couple of years ago. You, you turned me down. You, you, as you said, you, you left me at the altar, but I'd really like to take you back. I, I don't know how that, that flies in the future with, with, with the high school kids. I, I think there's a lot of things to, to consider. And, and, and another part of James's job that's difficult is you, you have no historical evidence of how that's going to affect you and and on the recruiting trail. I would look at it as a negative. I, I, I just, you know, I guess I don't want to go to a place and commit myself to a place and they're just going to go get that kid that that they really wanted anyway uh, when they have the chance in a couple of years. So I, so I, I think there's a there's a lot to learn from this. And and, and that's why I, I think that these guys who seem obvious sometimes aren't necessarily so obvious once the uh, transfer portal opens up and, and they've regretted the initial decision to a degree. But not that not that a guy like Julian Fleming would regret going to Ohio State. I'm sure he's got his degree. He's been there forever. <laughs> he's looking for a place to, <laughs> to to continue his career. And and and, and I, I think he's a little different than than some of the other guys. And Sam, real quick before we uh, we wrap it up for the week, another thing that the coaching staff has to do in the next couple of weeks because of the timing of the portal and and, and things like that, they're going to have to have some discussions with some of these guys uh, on the roster right now who are starters slash top backups who you know who, who have their degrees in, in a lot of cases who can go to the nfl maybe give that a shot you know might feel that they have a, a better chance somewhere else so you got you got a couple of guys who are in that boat who can come back for a fifth or sixth season we, we know who the guys are that can't come back and there aren't many of them a lot of the seniors a lot of the guys who walked on senior day can come back who, who do you think are some of the big ones that they really should want to keep I have a couple in mind that I think, you know, you could really make a push for. And, and I, and I bring this up because Theo Johnson announced last week that, that he's going to play in the peach bowl, but he's going to enter the draft. And that's certainly a guy who could have come back next year, but, but they have a couple other guys who are in the, the same boat there. I think that there's, it's, it's Penn state, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a top program. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of people that, that maybe, I mean, everybody has, has NFL dreams to some extent. So you know, there, there's got to be interest from some of these players. I, you know, I, I wonder about somebody like Keandre Lambert Smith. I don't think he's ready for the NFL. I think another year could really benefit him. But at the same time, his skill set is, you know, I'm, I'm a quick receiver. 
you know, I'm a, I'm a deep threat. I, I'm a hyper athlete and sometimes going when you're green, isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, I think back to, I mean, I know they're different receivers, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure KJ Hamler left early and ends up as a second round pick. And, you know, I, he's, he's had some health issues and stuff in the NFL, but it's not a product of him leaving early. It's um, maybe Keandre follows it in the footsteps of, of him. And al- although I've had my criticisms of, of Keandre this season, they can't afford to lose another receiver. I I know that Keandre wouldn't be the number one on many of these Penn state offenses in, in the past, but you have to keep, you have to keep the one guy that was productive at the receiver position this year. I, I don't know if he's, if he's considering this is again, it's maybe I'm projecting all this stuff on him and he's sitting there going, I, I know I'm coming back next year, but you know, then I think about like a, Caden Wallace have eligibility after this year? I think he does, he right? Does. He's, on, he's on my list of guys that I would probably try to convince. Yeah, I, w- I would think that even if you want to rotate some of these younger guys in, having a Caden Wallace to, to you know, continue rotating or as a leader and just everything like that, that's somebody that that feel like you got to try to keep. But, you know, I think back to like Rash- Rashid Walker with, with the Packers. He gets picked in the seventh round uh, two drafts ago, I want to say. And, you know, although he was a seventh round pick, you know, he's, he's been starting this year. You know, if, if I'm Caden Wallace, I might be looking at the draft going, yeah, I, I'm not going to get picked where Olu's going to get picked, but I don't need to. I, I can fight my way into a starting job. Maybe who knows? Now, I'm not going to say uh, I try to get a decent Isaac to come back. Of course I would, uh, yeah. but he's not coming back. He shouldn't come back. He should go to the NFL. He's, he, he's, he's ready. I, I'm talking about guys who would be fifth, sixth, seventh round picks if they, if they went or, undrafted guys but but i I think caden wallace fits in that area and and i i would you know you're gonna break in drew shelton again at at left tackle i don't know if there's going to be a discernible difference in quality there other than maybe he'll allow a sack or two where olu would never i think if i'm james franklin i really want to make a push for caden wallace because i think he's coming off his best year which ironically is also a a reason you could see caden wallace leave but tyler warren uh, yeah, a guy who yeah. Con- conceivably uh, could go to the NFL. I-, I think everybody thinks he's an NFL tight end. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get picked as high as Theo. I don't know if he's as good an athlete as Theo is on the whole. Not a bad athlete for sure, but I think he would benefit from coming back. I think he'd get a pick a round or two higher next year uh, with-, with a full season. You're going to have a lot of guys who are competing for playing time at tight end, but you de- you definitely want Warren who's who's a steady hand there and and catches a lot of touchdowns that that's a guy you that that Aller's comfortable with so I, i'd like him back but i think the guy i'd almost beg to come back is daquan hardy <laughs> you, you do lose a lot yeah. at uh at cornerback you're definitely gonna lose kalen king you would think dixon can't come back so i think you're okay with cam mill you're probably okay with elliot washington maybe one or two of the guys coming in this year could could be in that mix but daquan hardy is so versatile and such a good player and and you could argue that there was as good as that secondary was there were weeks he was the best player in that secondary and hey now you, you know you got him as, as a punt returner and you know how dangerous he is in, in that regard and, and I, w- I would love to see penn state with a full year of a a guy you know is a is a threat in the, in, in the kick return game, and I think that's kind of why they were looking at Jalen Lucas because of what Hardy did in, in, in that fast of the game. I think it would make sense to to bring Hardy back, and I think that would be popular in the locker room. Sam, thanks so much, and I I don't know if we're going to be able to do the show next week. I'm off. 
uh, going to be doing some holiday things next week. So, Sam, if we don't see you next week, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well. For Sam Freeman, this is Donnie Collins. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you celebrate this time of year, I hope you do it as happily as you ever have in the past. Take care, and we'll see you soon.